You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Earth Station One, and we got a big one for you tonight. Summer movie season has once again come and gone, and we are here to talk about the next adventure of Toy Story. That's right, Toy Story 4, Woody, Buzz, and the crew are all, you know, on an adventure again, and supposedly it's the last one. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll have to wait and find out. So we have, you know, my toy here. Mr. Mike Gordon's with us. Howdy. It's just, you got to pull my string. Oh, I do every week, sir. I do every week. That's how, uh-huh. we, that's how we get the howdy every week. <laughs> you, press, you press my button. I don't know if you pull my string. Okay, that's a good thing to do, I think. Do you have you know, your owner's name on your foot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michelle's name is on my foot. I could have expected that completely. Yeah. Definitely did. So it's going to be a fun one to talk to everybody about tonight. Yeah, we're uh, talking about Disney again, man. Of Dis- course. Everything's Disney. coming up Disney. Disney is just always fun. So <laughs> Every Disney is everywhere. Of course. And this is not this- even our last Disney movie review no. of the summer. No, no. This is, this is really like shaping out to be like almost like a Disney podcast. That's how much we've covered Disney stuff. Yeah, kind of, sort of. We'll explain that, folks, in a moment. But we definitely want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. All right, let's get started with this week's podcast. And we've got a lot to talk about. We actually have two guests joining us for the first segment. We have Adam Lance Garcia joining us and Alex Autry. Welcome. Always a pleasure. Glad to be here, sir. And we are going to talk about Galaxy's Edge. Which just recently opened to the public at Disneyland. And you guys down in Florida have a few more months to wait. But you, Alex, are a huge Star Wars fan. But Adam, you were actually there. I, I was. I was there for the uh, uh, media event opening, uh, which uh, sort of happened last minute. It was not something I was planning on doing. It was something I was hoping I would get to do. So I was able to be there before the masses uh, got through the door. So what was it like? Were you there the day like Lucas was there, Mark Hamill and everybody? Yep. Oh, that is yep. awesome. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, so uh, the quick thing is basically, I I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and when we were getting close to the opening of Galaxy's Edge, I had said to uh, my boss, who was based out in L.A., that if there was a chance at all, all that there was a pass for, for me that could get passed for me, that I would happily fly out uh, to L.A. on my own dime to go to the event, because like, how when's the next time this is going to happen? Um, I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then like the Monday, when I say like the Monday, I mean, literally the Monday before the opening, he texts me on Slack and says, are you serious about coming? Because if you can't, if you are, uh, Kevin, one of my coworkers, uh, can't make it. So we have an extra pass. So I 
said, of course, yes. I bought a ticket faster than I could. I didn't really, I found the cheapest flight I could. I flew out, I flew out on um, Tuesday right after Memorial Day. So that way I could be there for the event on Wednesday. Um, you know, the, the big thing I was saying to my girlfriend was that there's, no, it's going to be so much cheaper doing it this way because I'm technically being paid, which I, I guess makes me a Disney shill, but whatever, uh, to go out there, uh, to be at this event. Uh, than it would be if I wanted to go on my own. So I got to go to the whole opening, the whole opening ceremony I was a part of. I got to interview Doug Chang. I got to interview uh, Brad uh, Schoenberg, who is the marketing and new experiences guy. And I also got to interview the main chef. So I, I was working while I was there. Um, and then there was this big gala, the big opening that had George Lucas and Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and uh, Billy D. Williams and Bob Iger. Uh, all there, and then I got to kind of run around the uh, the entire Batu, uh, Galaxy's Edge Batu for uh, a few hours, and uh, I, it was it was so cool. It was the coolest thing ever. I got a photo in front of my uh, in front of the Millennium Falcon, and I went I get buried in that photo. It was just I, I even got like a, an outfit that like I bought literally the weekend before that was just like Star Warsy enough. So that way I could sort of run around as and look as if like I'm a part of the world, but not necessarily a part of the world. Uh, it, it, I'll get into specifics, but it was the coolest, coolest thing that could have happened to me. And I was really, really, really happy that I could make it. My bank account's less excited, but I'm very excited. That's awesome. That is uh, very awesome. exciting. The, um, obviously, you know, uh, as all of us have are huge Star Wars fans, uh, since, you know, 77, um, but it was really like in 2012 when Disney acquired Lucasfilm that there were two things that all Star Wars fans were excited about. One, that we were going to get more movies. And two, that we were that Disney was going to start incorporating some serious uh, Star Wars stuff into the parks. And so now yeah. we see we see the fruition of that. A lot of expectations um i'm very keen to find out i mean i've seen images from you and other friends of mine who already already been and experienced it i'm very curious as to hear like whether or not it 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 lives up to the i mean you can't hype this enough can you yeah it's really interesting because the biggest thing that i will What's so cool about it is let's start just starting with the land itself before we get into the whole experience. Like the moment you walk onto what is uh black spire uh, uh, is on, it's what is galaxy. It's the city of black spire on the planet of Batu. You cannot see anything beyond the borderline. So like every, the moment you're in there, you don't know that you're in Disney world. Uh, and then everyone who works there, all the cast members, are in character as native natives of Batu of Black Spire. Um, they only talk to you as if you are an off-worlder. They only communicate with you as if, like, they are within a within the galaxy of far, far away. They, it, it, so that's a really just uh, on the base level, such a cool little thing. Um, there is things like the audio soundscape of where you are feels like you're on a different planet because you walk through like this one little uh, uh sort of wooded section uh, uh 
of the planet and you rush or fighters fly overhead. Uh, you, you know, you have, it, it's such a immersive experience that, you know, you, there's always a bit of a suspension of the, disbelief. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to this experience, it's a little bit easier to make that leap into believing that you're in on a different world because everything is so thought out and so immersive. I mean, even the toys, which sounds so silly, but like one of my favorite things about uh, sort of the uh, the merchants area is that they made sure that all the toys look as if they were made within the universe and they don't say star Wars on them ever. They don't say, I mean, maybe you might find a tag that says mm-hmm. star Wars on it or Disney. There's nothing that really has a mouse on it, but you look around and it like, I got my, uh, my nephew, a porg and the way the porg was made was as if it was handmade by someone who had heard about a porg or you can buy a Kylo Ren or, uh, uh, a, like a, a Todarian or whatever, uh, like dolls and the way they're designed, the way they're made to look as if someone heard about these characters and sort of made them at home. Um, you can buy just like the Jajaric uh, board game, if you so want, so desire or Sabak. And like, you know, there's the Hansel card game a few years back, but Sabak just says Sabak on it and all the rules, the way it's designed, it looks as if you're in the universe. And, just from that small, uh, like that kind of level of thinking is just absolutely unparalleled. Um, and that's not even getting into like the time periods and how they sort of honor every single different time period uh, where you see a pod racer pod uh, engine used to sort of cook Ronto meat or, you know, the treads uh, that you see in the ground are from R2-D2's, uh, no, excuse me, yeah, it's R2-D2's treads. That was from the original model from 1977. Um, there's just insane stuff. Uh, and that even, I'm not, I'll talk about Doc Ondar's in a second, but it's just the level of thought that's put into this world just is incredible. That is awesome. It just, it sounds, from what yeah. people have said and friends who've been there already, just says you are taken to that planet. And it's just awesome. Yeah. But, I've also heard that, and Alex, you might also know something about this, that you're not allowed to dress up for it to go into the park. The, uh, there are some limitations in regards to Disney bounding. Uh, but having said that, yeah, there's actually a list online that you can go. You can actually do a, a Google search for Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge bounding. And they will. A- there's actually a checklist of things that you can do. So you can actually make a fairly good Jedi esque outfit that won't be too over the top. Um, it, it's not like Hogwarts at universal where you, you can just dress up and, you know, have your wand waving around and everything like that. Um, and I understand the reasoning behind that. If you've got 14 acres of new land and it's going to be packed from beginning to end, you probably don't want half of them swinging around lightsabers. Uh, pardon me, scrap metal um, to to get the job done. Now, um, Adam, I was kind of curious. Um, obviously, first impressions of, of Batu is, is is huge for everyone. Um, obviously, you step into this, you you feel the immersion immediately. Yeah. What's it like when you turn the corner and there it is? What's it like 
with the with the Falcon reveal? So I actually saw the Falcon from going through backstage. So it's a little different than I think a lot of people are going to have seen it. Uh, but it still, there's still this sense of unreality to walking in front of the Falcon. I was certain that was what was going to break me. I was talking to my coworkers and uh, my girlfriend before I went, I'm like, I think I'm just going to start crying when I see this. It, it, it didn't. I'll tell you what broke me later. Um, but what, happened was like you sort of look at it and you're like this is real this is a real thing that i'm looking at and then you get to go like when you go on the ride you can sort of go up the um you can get to see around the uh the back of the falcon so you're able to kind of see it all around you it's such a surreal experience um because it's real and you never expected it to be real but there it is and it's a one for one to scale of the Falcon and you know that, and I know that you can actually climb inside the, uh, the, the cockpit. It's only for, uh, yeah, the cast members, but the fact that you can, that it's just three dimensional reels. It's, it's so weird. And so amazing. Now, uh, when, when you, uh, obviously we'll, we'll talk about the, um, uh, smugglers run in a moment, but when you're going through yeah. the queue, when you went, did they have mm-hmm. the, um, they're, 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 I've heard that they've actually added, uh, some some slots to the uh, to the window area where you could where you're standing and you see the Falcon. Um, apparently there yep. was an issue where you could actually see um some of the rest of the park over the walls of Batu. Uh, I believe that, but I wasn't looking at. I, I'll be honest, like I was not looking beyond uh the Falcon. Why, yeah, why would you? Training. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like, well, like, I was like, "Oh my god, it's the vents! Yeah. It's the back of the vents, yeah. and there's the engines, and holy crap!" And you know, so I, I was, I, it, it's possible, but I did not see okay. it. Um, yeah, I was uh, uh, as a as a huge not only Star Wars fan but also a Disney fan. I've I've watched a lot of the the vlogs and the 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 YouTube community really yeah. came out in full force for this. Uh, between yeah. uh, Dano Channel, Tim Tracker, Fresh Baked, uh, just off the top of my head, you had a lot of folks going out there. Obviously, uh, Yahoo as well. Um, it's so weird. It's like talking to somebody who's been on another planet. Um, <laughs> it's true. It literally, has. and he has. Um, well, this is Adam, so it's okay. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I am from another yeah. planet. Um, so. Obviously, you know, the, they've, they've done a lot of immersion where they've taken out the aspects of the various, uh, like, like you're not going to see. In fact, I know for a fact that, that all the T-shirts and all of the merchandise yep. in there do not say Galaxy's Edge. They say Black Spire Outpost. Yep. Yeah, if, if there's one shop that's sort of like, it's uh, if you want. Yeah, it's it's like this one little place. It's like, you know, it's like you go to Times Square and it's like, I love New York. That's yeah. like, they have like Black Spire. Like we went to Black Spire. It, it's sort of like that just so you can have that sort of that uh, experience. But like, I actually avoided that store because I'm like, that's not what I'm interested in. I want something that looks like a toy from the the, the um, from the universe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I got Sabak. I got my, I got my uh, nephew a Porg. Um, and, uh, I also, I went to Doc Ondar's and I got a, a Jedi holocron. Um, and the one thing I'd said to everyone and my girlfriend, it was almost like a, a preemptive apology. Uh, I, I was going to get a lightsaber. Like that's the only thing that I'm going to do. Like if there's one thing I do 
it's going to be get a lightsaber. And like the moment the opening, uh, like festivities ended, I booked it to the, uh, to, uh, yes. Uh, I booked it to there and I was, I was great. It's, it's the coolest experience because you go up there and you're just like, hi, I like, guess I'm going in character because I'm a, I'm a freaking nerd. Uh, and I'm just like, hi, I need some scrap metal for my YT 1300. You wouldn't have any scrap metal here. Like, oh, sir, we have some scrap metal. What kind of scrap metal are you looking for? Well, why don't you come around here? And they go over to this like little cupboard and they're like, let's, let, we'll show you what kind of uh, scrap metal we have. We have this kind, there's, there's four different kinds. I, I don't remember all the names, like there's peace and justice, power and control, um, and the peace and justice, like there's one that's like sort of, uh, like these four different kinds of sets of lightsabers patterns that you can put together. One is very similar to, or evokes the original trilogy blades. Mm-hmm. Then there's ones that sort of evoke the prequel trilogy blades. And then there's one that sort of this, um, I would say, very ancient Jedi, old Republic yeah. feel. Exactly. Like, like you can get like a rancor, uh, tooth on the bottom if you so chose. Um, it's sort of leather and wood, uh, feel. And then there's the Sith. So they're like, well, this is, we have this kind and we have this kind and, you know, and this kind. And then I asked them like, well, what's on the bottom? Like, well, we don't really like to talk about these. Uh, I'm like, oh, and I understood that it meant Sith. I'm like, oh no, thank you very much. I don't, uh, I don't traffic in Sith artifacts. Uh, cause I, I'm just going full on on this. Um, and then I say to them, I will look, do you know the story about how Jabba the Hutt died? And I'm looking for something that evokes that. And they're like, well, sir, you would like this. So you go around, you like, you say like, all right, I'm picking, let's say, I think it's like power and justice. I, I don't remember exactly what it is. Uh, and they go around, they ring up $200 and you're like, that's a lot of money, but screw it. I'm, I'm in this. You get a little pin, uh, with the kind that sort of indicates the kind of blade that you're getting. Um, you get a little pass and you go around. Uh, you're sort of waiting around because they need like a certain number of people to get in and they bring you inside and they're just, you know, there's this whole show about how the, they're the gatherers. Thank you so much for like understanding we're being, we're in secret against the first order. We're helping the resistance. We're building these lightsabers. This whole narrative. And you're like, this is so cheesy. I'm having a great time. Um, and then they're saying, like, close your eyes and think of the kyber crystal that you want. Because you, you kind of walk up to these little uh, sort of on this sort of U-shaped table and you sort of see where you're, you have like the inside of your blade uh, sort of uh, situated there and this like sort of resting. Uh, no, actually, no, they don't do that. It's like you see this like little like, uh, I guess like this little thing to hold the blade and a, a little sort of like cup and they're like all right close your eyes and think of the capricorns that you want and you're like this is so cheesy this is the cheesiest thing i've ever done all right i'll close my eyes because i'm i'm in this now i paid you hundred dollars for this experience and you're like i like i'm like all right there's only way i'm getting green i'm only getting green i have to get green they come out and there's like this big sort of like Star Warsy thing holding all these different uh kyber crystals. There's green, there's blue, there's red, and there's purple. And you start giggling like a child. And you're like, this is so cheesy. They're but the kyber crystals are glowing. I'm gonna pick a goddamn kyber crystal. And you you pick a kyber crystal and you put it down on your this little the little bowl, and then they bring out this uh like dish of the different sections of 
of how you want to build your uh, lightsaber. And there's like the core and you put your kyber crystal in the core and it lights up and starts glowing and it starts like makes a sound of like, like the energy starts pulsating and you're like, Oh my God, I just did this. I turned to my friend who happened to be there and I gave her a hug. I'm like, I can't do this. I was starting to cry. I'm like, this is amazing. This is exactly what I wanted it to be. Uh, and then you have one, two, uh, two, uh, there's a top and a bottom and you have two choices. Uh, for the top and the bottom, and those are sort of modular, so you can put uh, either or. You have uh, two, two different versions uh, for the emitter and two different ver- uh, choices for the, the base and two different versions for the core. And you can sort of mix and match in any way you want. Um, and you're building your lightsaber, and it weighs like like two or five pounds. It's, it's a heavy, hefty thing. And then they're like, all right, we're going to go uh, emit, you know, we have to like check the 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 source of make sure that it's been built correctly. And after that, I won't spoil what happens. You can probably see footage. The LA times actually uh, had footage of my experience um, because the lighting of the lightsaber is such a cool moment. And you're just like, Holy crap, <laughs> this thing just happened. It's the coolest thing. I, I like it's yeah, it's 200 bucks, like $15 after that with tax. And I, it was so cool. I, I would, that's like the best $200 I ever spent. But the best part is, and I'm, I know I'm monologuing, but you asked me to come here. Uh, so this is your fault. Um, they, you can switch out the kyber crystals. And if you put a different kyber crystal into the lightsaber, it does in fact change the color of the lightsaber. So I got a blue one uh, in addition at Doc Ondar's and that turns my lightsaber blue, which is just bonkers. And my friends uh, who do Star Wars Explain, they uh, just, they went recently and they are mailing me other kyber crystals so I can like switch it out because in addition to changing the color of your lightsabers, you can also change uh, the voice in the Jedi holocron depending on, there are like four different cuts of the, the uh, kybers uh, and depends on, depending on who you get, you get a different voice when you put it into the uh, holocron. And that's my monologue. Ah, that's awesome, man. It was a good monologue. It, was, it really, really so well. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. Like, uh, and then Doc Ondar's is like, that's the place that if I, if I, uh, I am planning on going back at some point, but that's the place that I probably spend all the most money because there's so many artifacts in there. Not only just like, this is like, um, and I'm sure you've seen photos where on like the second level, you can see artifacts uh, from every single film, including films that haven't come out yet. Uh, like the Mandalorian, the TV series, but also like, and the Ark of the covenant. Yes, I love that. Uh, but like, <laughs> Oh God, I remember when they point that out to me, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, but like, there's all these like little knickknacks things that you like, you know, like if you're a big fan of Rogue One, you can buy uh, the Kyber crystal that Jin wore around her neck. Um, if you're a person who really loves the Sith, you can get a Sith holocron or Sith, uh, Sith uh, busts. And um, this is something I found out today at like uh, down uh, a couple a little, at another shop. You can buy a recreation of the uh, the meal ready kit, uh, emergency ready kit that uh, Luke has on Dagobah. They have a recreation of that. Um, like you can get the Jedi food. You can get a little lightsaber belt. It just, it's everything you want and more and some stuff that is so deep cutting, like the, the light, the flashlight that Yoda steals, you can buy 
it's just insane the level of detail. And that's not even going into the like recreation of the Jedi lightsabers that you can buy there. It's yeah. <laughs> well, I know, I know for me, I, the, I, I would be dropping a ton of money at the cantina because of all the tiki mugs or mugs that they have there. I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to walk out with like five of these. I thought of you. <laughs> I did. I really did. I, when I was there, like the Rancor uh, Tiki bug, I was, I, I, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, oh, I know who's going to like this. <laughs> yeah, I got the, the, the Rancor one, of course, the, and that's a set of like four. Yep. Uh, I've got the, the, the Porg. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, the, I think the one I, I, that catches my eye is the Endor mug. That looks really beautiful. So Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, there's so many little things throughout the land that you know just make it experience obviously i think it goes without saying that my favorite experience is building the lightsaber um but like eating food like the blue milk is delicious like that was such a cool moment where you i got to taste test it and you're just like this is not only delicious but it's like it looks like blue milk, you know, it's the right exact color and you're drinking it and you're like, Oh my God, I'm drinking blue milk. And even and green milk is even is just as delicious too. And you're like, there's something very surreal. You know, you asked me earlier about what is it like seeing the Falcon? That's really cool. But there's something else about eating food that is from a different universe. Things that you saw Luke drink, like seeing Luke drink with blue milk is such a, a uh, big part of remembering Star Wars, and there you are consuming that. Um, silly things like I. Next time I'm there, I was I was literally thinking about this today. It's like you can buy uh, coffee there, but it's called calf, and that's that's what it's called in universe. It's called calf. I want to buy calf there. I know it's coffee. I know it's just coffee. It's just like the Coca-Cola. I know the Coca-Cola is just Coca-Cola, but you get it and you're like, holy crap, I'm drinking calf or I'm drinking this weird like thing out of a thermal detonator. It's so cool. That's pretty awesome. And it's just neat that, you know, how popular already this is. And, you know, they said within the first hour of it actually being open to the public, it was filled beyond capacity. Yeah. I, I totally believe it. And it's what I also really appreciate in general. And this is a conversation I can I had in my interview with uh, Doug Chang. Well, uh, he's a, uh, one of the concept artists that was behind everything from uh, the Phantom Menace on till today um, that they wanted, you know, so, some fans are upset that this is not, excuse me, this is not like the original trilogy era that it's set in the sequel trilogy era between last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker. They really wanted to see Luke walking around uh, rather than Ray, or uh, they really wanted to be the, their memory of star Wars. And while I do in part understand that, you know, criticism, what is really nice and the reason why it's not Tatooine, why it's Batu, the reason why it's, set in the sort of present day of the star Wars uh, franchise is that it allows everyone who walks there to have a very unique experience. There's so many, they want it to be your adventure in star Wars. It's never, uh, you know, it's not Mike's uh, favorite moment from star Wars, or it's not Alex's favorite moment from star Wars. It's not my favorite moment from star Wars. It is a unique experience for you when you get to that land. Um, 
And since there's so many things that they pull from the prequels and the original trilogy and the, and the TV shows, uh, like you can, like from even from Rebels or uh, Clone Wars that are sort of scattered around the land, it allows everyone, every sort of fan to find something in that universe. And it's, it is, I, I, I it's been about three, four weeks, maybe. Yeah, it's been about a month since I've been there. I would be lying to you if I said I didn't think about Galaxy's Edge almost every single day. Um, it's It was such a, an incredible experience that I never, I didn't think would match what it was. What, I, I, you, know, you have this idea of what it's supposed to be like in your head. Um, and while it doesn't necessarily like, I would never say it's like, hundred percent perfect. It's such a amazing, wonderful experience for a Star Wars fan that, I mean, I lift up, I pick up my lightsaber every day just because it just makes me so happy because it's my lightsaber. And this is something that I built that is unique to me. And that makes the whole experience of Galaxy's Edge, you know, again, it's unique to me. Uh, you get to set, like my, one of my favorite moments was sitting there with a, uh, chatting with a couple of the cast members uh, like asking about Thrawn because Batu has been established that like Thrawn and Anakin and Padme had visited there and asking about them and them sort of like feigning ignorance or talking to the guy who's like tossing up the garbage about like lift, like, like get, uh, moving cargo. It's, it's stuff like that, that, yeah, I, I, I can't be more effusive. Um, it was such an amazing experience. I, I if you can go, definitely go and i i'm 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 waiting for disney world's uh hotel to open because that's going to be the next level of insanity oh yeah i've heard that's going to be even more total immersion more than even disneyland yeah it's going to be a hotel where you're just basically pretending to be in in star wars Mm -hmm. they're gonna have a whole show oh very much so and you know they're I hear you actually do have costumes you could wear in the hotel. I that I that's a new thing. I did not hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. So pretty awesome. And folks, if you get a chance to, if you're in California or if you're waiting for the Florida, I'm just like chomping at the bit, trying to, you know, get up my hopes. Can't wait to do it. ESO road trip. We need, we really need you to be a patron supporter. That's what we're saying. Exactly. For folks, you know, who want to definitely help help us out, get to Disney, you know, we have, you know, as we like to say, the patreon.com slash ESO network. Any little bit. It's a write-off, guys. It's, it's, it's a business expense. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that would be great to show to my accountant. Yeah, we just spent uh, $10,000 going to Disney with the whole crew. How much did you guys make at the station this year? Well, anyway, so. We can get Adam <laughs> to go with me to the Disney World one, and then we can get his reaction determining which one is the better of the two and me just getting to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There we go. This is done. I'm down. I'm down. That is awesome. <laughs> Adam, thank you so much for joining us for this little bit. Oh, thank you so much for listening to me monologue for so long about like, like, like a little giddy child. Hey, you know, that's one of the things we love about you, my friend. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment.
Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. The first movie we're going to be talking about this week is a horror film called Annabelle Comes Home. It's about two researchers who bring home a possessed doll. And the first question that I would like to ask about that premise is, why in the world would somebody do that? If there's this creepy possessed doll, do not bring it into your home. They think that they have safely locked this doll away, but of course it ends up wrecking havoc anyway. It's funny because it seems like the people in these horror films never really seem to learn. So if you ever find yourself in possession of a possessed doll, A, don't bring it home, and B, just burn it with fire. Our next movie that we're going to talk about is something slightly less terrifying, and it's the movie called Yesterday, which I am really excited about and is actually one of my most anticipated movies this summer. It's about a struggling musician who experiences an accident and then wakes up in a world that doesn't remember the Beatles. And so he has a really interesting opportunity here where he can actually take the Beatles music and claim that it's his own as he's performing it. I just find this to be a really great premise because there's an interesting ethical question in there too. I mean, the Beatles don't exist in this new world, so is it really wrong for him to take this music and say like, yeah, I've I've written all these hits, or is it still wrong because deep down in his heart he knows that this music is not actually his, but he's pretending that it is. So super interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I've loved the previews, and hopefully it's going to be a lot of fun. And then finally, we also have the movie Ophelia, which is a retelling of Hamlet from a fresh perspective. Had to mention it because it stars Daisy Ridley, who plays Rey in Star Wars, one of my favorite fictional characters. Then on DVD this week, we have Disney's live-action Dumbo remake. I never got a chance to see it in theaters, but I've generally enjoyed the Disney live-action remakes of the animated movies, so I'll probably check it out. This one didn't do as well in theaters as some of the other movies, but to me it still looks like it might be an interesting rental. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog, boxofficebuzzab.wordpress.com. This week, I'm actually going to be diving into Game of Thrones. I finally decided to watch this popular HBO TV series after hearing all the hype about it, and now that all the episodes have finally finished airing. So I thought it might be kind of interesting to blog about it from a first-timer's perspective. So I'll be having that posted later this week. Hi, I'm Joe Heath. I'm Tony Heath. And we host the Watchathon Arasalon. A journey through all of Doctor Who, one serial at a time. Listen in and you will learn about two facts. Tune in and hear our Dinobots. Find out how little we actually know about science, history, Doctor Who, and pretty much anything else. The Watchathon of Rassilon. A proud member of the ESO Network. Available wherever you get your podcast fix. Keep calm and on. Goodbye, and I love you. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we actually still have Alex Autry here, and we are going to talk a little bit about the summer movie season so far. Since Alex is our go to guy, usually, you know, with money and stats and everything on how the movies have done, you know, this is a great point because it's almost midway through the summer movie season already. Can't believe that already. It's just flown by. But, you know, how's things looking this summer? It seems very weird. Um, this is a very strange time, especially if you compare 
um, as just as an example to last year. Um, and understand that we have to point out that the numbers that we're going with define it as the first Friday in May through Labor Day weekend. So we don't have Avengers Endgame in this list. Um, last year, the number one movie of the summer was Incredibles 2. $608 million. That's a June 15 opening. Compare that to this year, the number one movie for the summer, or as of right now, if you don't count Endgame, is Aladdin at $288 million. That's a great number. That's a fantastic number. It's still playing well. It's a bigger number than we expected. It's oh, way bigger. <laughs> I would say four people decided that. Uh, um, but if you take a look at the number two, it's John Wick. I think one hundred fifty-six million. Yeah, I think number two is actually like you want to talk about summer winners. I mean, there's right. so many people talking about summer losers, which there's a bunch of. Right. But man, John Wick, like talk about a like a win. Like he's going to make the top 10 for sure, and probably even the top five at this point. There's a very good chance of that. And a, a lot of that comes from the fact that one, one of the big things about, about this summer that I really am seeing is that a lot of these last year, as an example, take a look at the top five, Incredibles 2, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Deadpool 2, Mission Impossible, Fallout, Ant-Man and the Wasp, do all of those sound like sequels to you? Every last one of them, a sequel. This year, sequels are not playing very well. All right? The remake of Aladdin's doing well, yes. John Wick, yes, doing great. Toy Story 4 opened up at $120 million. It was expected to do 140 to 150 Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean... It's still the biggest opening ever for a Toy Story movie. Which is interesting because it's not, it didn't even surpass some of the Shrek films. No, but it is, yeah. I mean, it is like, I, I know it's disappointing for Disney and everybody. And I know they predicted that it would be uh, upward to 150 uh, and more right. as an opening, but it's still really solid. Like, yeah, and it's a weird thing to sit there and go, wow. Toy Story 4 underperformed at $120 million. Any the, one of these other films, Godzilla, Dark Phoenix, Men in Black, they would have killed for an opening like that. Absolutely. and But I think we also, you know, talking and bringing it back to like our predictions, I think a lot of us thought uh, expected Toy Story 4 to be in the top two, if not top three, right. of, the, of the summer. And it's still got a pretty good chance and it'll probably get there. It, it, but, it certainly might, but there's a, there, there is, but I'm question. like, how's it going to, is it going to beat Aladdin? Right. And I, at this point, I don't think it's going to. And not only that, but it actually makes me question whether or not how well Lion King's going to do. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. And is this a case where Toy Story 4 uh, and again, it sounds stupid, and I apologize for using the word underperformed when looking at Aladdin. When looking at, and is it a case where 
yeah, the remakes are are doing well, but now the sequels aren't. And Pixar's already announced that this is Toy Story Four is their last sequel for a while, which is good because they're getting old and kind of stale in some ways. And that may be part of the reason why Toy Story Four didn't make the money that it did. Toy Story Three, and we all agreed on this on the uh, on the preview, was so good it seemed weird to have a fourth movie. No, yeah. it was a good, it, was a, it was a great ending spot for two. Right, right. right. I don't um, think they did a really good. I mean, we'll get into the review of right. it. I know you haven't seen that yet, Alex. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we'll, so no spoilers. Right, no spoilers. <laughs> but, but I think uh, looking at the marketing of Toy Story Four, especially now having seen it, they really dropped the ball on marketing Toy Story Four very well because it's a lot different than I expected going in. Like, yeah, that's I what I keep hearing from all of the reviews that all the non-spoiler reviews. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but. I think we all are not surprised that Secret Life of Pets 2 is is doing fairly well. It it is doing strong numbers. It's doing very well for itself. Um Godzilla, I have to say at this point kind of should be considered as a summer win. It opened at 47 million dollars, almost 48 million dollars. It's grossed 102 in the US right now. I you know, so it's it's doubled its opening weekend money. Um, it's still playing rather well. It's not doing as well as, you know, like again, Aladdin, which is, you know, <laughs> blew all the professionals out of the water. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely outperforming things like dark Phoenix. It's outperforming men in black international. Uh, it's, it's, you know, uh, it, it's definitely outperforming shaft. Oy. Um, Oy. Which, oh, shut yeah, your I, mouth. I'm yeah. just talking about money. <laughs> I I don't think I mean obviously I yeah I don't think anybody's surprised that Shaft is not in the top ten, um, but I will say, um, and we can talk about I don't want to skip over things, but to go to the number nine spot, which is Men in Black International, since you just mm-hmm. mentioned it, yeah, ooh, I don't know if any of us thought that they were going to take it on the chin like this. You know what? And, and in hindsight, that's probably one that that we we easily could, should have seen coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was the series. It did not have any of the returning original cast members. Um, it was the franchise name and franchise name only. That should have been a huge tell. Um, and ironically enough, was going up against a Will Smith movie. Well, I also think it's it, it also tells that just because actors are really amazingly popular in one thing, meaning a Marvel movie doesn't mean that they're going to track for another thing. Like yeah. they're both, both of the, the, the leads in men in black international are in Endgame, Um, but it, it didn't translate at all to men in black international and, um, and Godzilla, which I believe is still performing worse than the first Godzilla movie. It is. And worse than Skull Island. And both of those had Marvel people in them. <laughs> and this is the one that doesn't. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's an interesting thing. One, I, I saw um, a couple of uh, other uh, looks at the, the box office and two things of note that I, I thought was interesting. One is that they pretty much... The, the pretty much consensus is is that the age of the star 
like we used to have, like Will Smith or Harrison Ford or whatnot, is dead. Um, I, I, from what I look at this summer, I think that that might be accurate, but I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I, is I there think anybody that can bring people to the theater? Keanu Reeves. Apparently. Yep. He's in two movies in the top five. Yeah. Um, it, and, you know, and last year, by that same token, we had Josh Brolin who was in both Deadpool and, um, and and Avengers. We actually referred to it last year as the Summer of Brolin. We did, because he had another third movie out there. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, we, I, I have to wonder if some of this is coming from a world where the attention span just isn't that long anymore. And new stars are created so quickly that we don't get time to establish anybody. We do not have, uh, a, in, in the eighties, it was Arnie. It was Sly. It was, it was Gibson. Uh, it was Eddie Murphy. Um, Bill Murray could do a movie and everybody would show up for it. Um, <laughs> Bill Murray did a movie and it's number 23. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, did it's, that even come out yet? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's been out for, I think, two weeks? Yes, but if you take a look at the size of the 690 yeah, theaters, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything else on this is in the two or high twos, low threes, Aladdin at 4,500. I think they underestimated Dead Don't Die. I think if they had opened up to wider theaters, I think it, I don't know if it'd make, it probably wouldn't make the top 10, but I bet you'd be, do at least four times what it's doing now. Well, and if it were to expand, it probably could. Yeah. Um, I, I think that this is... I always want to sit there and say we need a we need a summer where we get more risky films, where we get movies that this is not an established uh, uh, franchise. This is not Marvel. This is not Star Wars. This is not blah. Let's. There's a lot on here. Um, Booksmart seriously underperformed um, for your for your teen sex comedy. Um, and there's another one coming and there's no telling with not another, uh, uh, book smart. Believe me, that's not happening, but, um, <laughs> uh, but there is another teen sex comedy coming up. Um, palms, which I really quite enjoyed tanked and tanked hard. It's not even in the, it's not even in the theaters anymore. It lasted four weeks. I, uh, when you said uh, another one coming, I think another thing that I'm surprised by, I think we all are stunned by this fact, is that uh, I would not be at all surprised now if Aladdin 2 gets the green light. Uh, it's it's certainly possible if they can get uh, uh, Smith to return. And, and with this kind of uh, numbers, I, I don't see. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, we got a Wicked 2. And I think Aladdin is looking like it's going to beat what Wicked did. Maleficent. Oh, sorry. Maleficent. Right. Yeah. Thank you. No, sorry. Wicked is coming, but it's not. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no, you're right. Sorry. Got my uh, uh, evil. Uh, evil green witches wrong. <laughs> exactly. I get that. They all look alike. Uh, yeah. Now I'm going to. Wow. Hear, that's now, now, now oh, I'm going to hear from the. Oh, oh dude. If, <laughs> now I'm going to hear from the evil witch contingent. Uh, evil the, green, and we have so many of them listening to us. The, you know the what? All you of need, Mike Gordon are not necessarily those of the ESR. All you need is one favor, and that's going to be too many. Um, but uh, 
Um, the other thing I'm uh, that I was thinking about this too, and I've seen this uh, uh, mentioned too, is that it seems like the summer is. We we mentioned that the summer is built for Disney. It doesn't yeah. look like Disney's coming out quite as on top as we expected. Although there's still two more movies to come out. Um, however, I think um, one thing I think we didn't consider, and I think has been a factor, is the fact that other streaming services like Netflix, et cetera, have been really pushing a lot of summer programming. Yes. Keeping people at home. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, keeping people paying them. Um, there, there is a lot that's on you know, Hulu uh, and, and Amazon Prime and, and Netflix have all put things out. As I understand, all of them have put out good omens. Um, if you're, you know... Right. You're following protesters. Um, and uh, you've got that. You've got, uh, what was it? The the Handmaid's Tale was huge. You've got. Uh, um, they just released Jessica Jones. Jessica there's Jones. Least, yeah. Two, I mean, there's two movies that have just appeared on Netflix that I hear are doing really well. Um, of course, we've got, um, I think next month, we've got uh, Stranger Things 3 popping up. You have so, Stranger yeah, Things I mean, in a week, dude. In a week. Right. So that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I think there's a lot of counter programming that people are just like, you know what? I don't need to go out and see Rocket Man or, or, or Chance Dark Phoenix or Men in Black. I'm just going to stay here. That's true. And truthfully, things come out on video so quickly now, at least, especially streaming, you know, so much more than it used to, you know, within what, six weeks? Yeah, all these movies will be probably available to stream by Christmas. Oh, God, yeah. Avengers is coming out, I think, end of August. Yeah, yeah uh, Avengers will be uh, is, is going to be one of the things that they've announced for Disney+. Plus. Well, they also, um, and I think I, and this will probably uh, be enough to end it, but uh, we've also, uh, speaking of Endgame, it's so close uh, to being the number one movie of all time uh, that... Uh, uh, but it needs that extra burst, and certainly yeah. Marvel and Disney are going to give it that because they're going to re-release it with, I think, six minutes of of additional footage as well as other, like, uh, I think there's going to be a tribute um, to, I don't know if it's Stan, but uh, there's I saw some sort of tribute thing attached to it or whatever. There's going to be new material, bottom line. and And that should be enough when that opens in a couple months to just push it right over. I suspect they're probably, I haven't heard when they're releasing it. Um, and right now we don't even know. I, I, if I had to guess, I would say they're going to do it on Labor Day weekend. Um, that tends to be a time when Disney re-releases uh, 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 films right at the end of the summer just to get that last little blast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think personally, I, I think it's a, a great idea. As f- From what I understand, all of the stuff will be post-credits. So it won't actually be affecting the story, um, which you know I'm I'm cool with because I think they did a great job with the with the movie itself. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it you know if it's going to happen, it's going to take something like this because honestly, we're not seeing by the numbers, we're not seeing people rushing out multiple times to see anything at the box office right now i don't think uh, i've been to any movies this year that have been sold out right um tickets for the re-release of avengers endgame went on sale actually today okay 
um, does it say when that is though? That's when it starts though. I haven't, there's no date on when it starts though. But they did say that, uh, yeah, tickets for the new cut of Avengers Endgame go on sale, uh, went on sale today. So, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna push Avatar over, which, hey, good for Endgame. I'm rooting for it. I will, I will go <laughs> and support it. Yeah, I'm 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 down for that. This, just... this little movie needs to needs to have a chance. <laughs> this little tiny experiment. Exactly. <laughs> Support the little guy. Yeah. So yeah, see that see Avengers Endgame again, and then go see Yesterday. Yes. Oh, can't wait to see Yesterday. That that looks so awesome. I've seen it, and it's amazing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment with our review of Toy Story 4. Woody's Roundup, right here every day. Woody's Roundup, come on, it's time to play. There's Jesse the Oldland Cowgirl. Hey everybody, Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. Over the past weekend, I caught a clip, you may have seen it too, of the Stones. They've uh, resumed the No Filter Tour. Mick is back out front after heart surgery, and this is the Stones, people. Nobody looks the worse for wear. It's great to see them uh, back in action like nothing ever happened. In other news, Megadeth frontman and former Metallica guitarist Dave Mustaine has been diagnosed with throat cancer. He's issued a statement saying he's already started treatment and doctors are confident of a 90% success rate with it. Um, The band is in the studio. They're still working on their new album. All shows this year will be canceled. However, he does say the mega cruise will happen in October as usual and they are going to be part of it in some form. Uh, Aerosmith is kicking off the second leg of their Deuces Are Wild residency in Vegas at the Park MGM and they've got a bonus attraction. They've curated... A special exhibit of items from their private warehouse. They keep their stuff in a warehouse covering their 50-year career and uh, put it all together as a pop-up museum. It's got uh, 20 guitars, Joe Perry sent over 20 guitars, Brad Whitford's barn guitar, the band guitar, built with uh, wood from the barn in New Hampshire where they got their start playing, Uh, set pieces, gold records, uh, outfits from every member of the band, um, handwritten lyrics to dream on, whole bunch of other things. Um, it's the first time most of this has been shown, and because it takes three days to put up and three days to take down, it's not going anywhere. You, if you want to see this stuff, head out to Vegas. You don't have to have a show ticket um, to get into the museum, but it is $49 to get in. That's rock and roll today, people. Vegas res- residency and a $49 museum ticket. Um, the tours are every uh, day um, from noon to three, and they give you time to look around on your own, although you cannot take pictures. Um, and when you're there, you might see the band. They have been known to stop by in the afternoons and borrow one of their uh, costumes or guitars from the exhibit to take out on stage that night. Um, the museum will be open until the residency ends in December. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com and we will catch you again next time. Everyone these days could use a little support and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. 
with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Buddy, why am I alive? <gasps> you are a toy. You belong to Bonnie. These are your friends. Woody, I have a question. Um, well, actually, not just one. I have all the questions. Who wants to go on a road trip? Me! Vacation! You need help with that. No, no, I got it. I know, this is a little strange, but we all have to make sure nothing happens to Forky. Woody! Uh, something happened to him. Buzz, we gotta get Forky! Roger that. The panic is attacking me! Change of plans. Jesse, Ham, Buzz, Bo, Rex, Potato Head. Hey, watch it, buddy. Where do we go? Let's go save a spork. Do I need to be worried? Well, my guys are veterans. They'll hang in there. On my way, Woody! I know the perfect toy to help. Duke Kaboom, Canada's greatest stuntman. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yes, sir. He's posing. Yeah. Duke, we need... Hold to... on. One more. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Huh? Whoa! What will save me? I've known that guy my whole life. Two days. Is that how we look on the inside? There's so much fluff. We have to find him, Mom. Bonnie needs Forky. Aw, Sheriff Woody always coming to the rescue. That's gonna be quite a jump for you and Duke. For me? Let's kaboom. Go! Forky is being kept. How do we get that key? What about the old plush rush? There you go. Oh, where did you two come from? Well, we're not doing that. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for the main topic, and we are going to be reviewing Toy Story 4. Remember, if you haven't seen it, we are spoiling it. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, yes, unfortunately, our, our usual movie crew of Ashley and Alex uh, are MIA this week. So we, we pulled in the reserves and uh, we've got some people returning to the station. Way too long of absence for them. Uh, Julie Filipek is here. Hello, everybody. How D? How you been? Uh, good. I'm always busy. So <laughs> uh, I'm glad I was actually able to make it this time. We too, us too. It's, yeah, like I said, it's been on too long since you've been back with us. I know, I know. And we've also got Will Nix has joined us. Hello, hello. Now it's been a while since you've been on the main show, but uh, right. you've done quite the. You've been ranting and raving all over the uh, riffs, right? Yeah, Mike brought me on board, and I'm glad to be a part of it. And it's a lot of fun. Can't wait to our next film. Our next film. Now, you guys, uh, for those people who don't know, uh, we do a uh, program on the ESO Network for patrons only called um, ESO 
So riffs where each month we choose a uh, movie or something that uh, we all watch and uh, have fun with. And uh, the last one that you guys did was what? Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones. Doom. And, and I'm actually excited to announce that we just put out the invite for today for our July movie. Yes. And we are going to be doing, ready for this? So dun, dun, dun. The 1990, I think it's 1992 mm-hmm. movie, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Ah, very good. So if you want to be able to hear those riffs, uh, you'll uh, definitely want to become a patron. We need, we love your support. Just one way we can thank you. And if you support us enough, you can actually participate in the riffs. So uh, so we're very excited. To- that how I got the gig. I'm, okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Uh, thanks for your support. <laughs> Uh, but so we are all here to talk about the fourth entry in the Toy Story story uh, saga. We'll say, um, hard to believe that this thing like started. Ooh, man, was it? Has this been? 1992. I was going to say it's been almost 30 years, hasn't it? Well, goodness Good gracious! Gosh, where does the time go? Um, it's been such a, 40 years. <laughs> such a revolutionary movie. It's been uh, nine years since the last one. Is that Has correct? Am I right about that? It's been. But yeah, long? it was 2010. I was in college. Wow. 2010. So it's been seven. Okay. God, so, now it makes me feel old. Yeah, right? Thanks. I have a unique, uh, you know, reference point on this one since you know I grew up with these movies. This is your. This is your. This is your series. This is mine. Yeah. Well, well, Julie, that that leads us to my first question that I'm going to put out to everybody. What is your overall experience with the Toy Story movies, and what was your expectations going into this one? I think the bar was set pretty high by Tom Hanks himself by saying it was not only his best film, but the best movie he's ever watched on Kimmel. <laughs> so um, he set the bar a little too high for me. Uh, I, you know, I've been I've watched all the Toy Story films. I thought they wrapped them up very well with Toy Story three. So a fourth film was a, was going to be a bit of a push for me anyhow. And I don't know. I, I came, I came away a little disappointed. I'm a little different, but uh, first off, you know, kind of say again, I, I grew up with these. Mm-hmm. I grew, I grew up with Andy. I, you know, I started when I was, you know, a little kid and then grew up a little bit more. And then I was in college when Andy was going away to college. So I'm kind of that, I was that focus group. Of, you know, this is why we keep putting out more films is because of the nostalgia for people of my age. We were a Pixar kid. Yes, absolutely. I love them all. This one, because again, the Andy story had ended and I wasn't sure where they were going with it. But then if you actually think about it, the focus has always been Woody. So I think this was an opportunity to end Woody's character. I just thought it was a way to get Rachel sure not to pay Tom Hanks to do it anymore. So. I, I don't think so. I'm I, jaded. Yeah, I'm I'm not as jaded, and I actually enjoyed having getting Woody to like have that closure that he didn't get to have. So I I enjoyed it. There's a lot of other things that I enjoyed about it. Um, after watching some uh, clips and you know short little documentary pieces about Toy Story and about Pixar in general, so we'll get to that later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, overall, what were your thoughts? Um, I actually thought a lot of it should have stopped with three. I really thought three should have been the end of it and maybe shorts or, you know, featuring the different characters. But, you know, this 
Julie put it perfectly. This, instead of it being the Andy story, it is the Woody story. And, you know, showing how Woody was always responsible for the toys. And, you know, he was the sheriff who had to round up and take care of everybody. Almost kind of like Andy Griffith type thing. You know, the sheriff of Mayberry. And, you know, always responsible for the weird people in town. Woody was responsible for all the different toys. And, you know, he was able to finally, you know, let go and give, you know, basically a bad toy, a new start in this one and able to rescue himself at the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, much like most of you, I mean, Michelle and I were, were blown away by toy story three, even at the time though, we were wondering, I remember when toy story three came out, we were wondering like, how can they like do something different with this? And we were (laughs) powerful. That story was, um, and so here we are like years later, toy story four comes out and, Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, um, if they have made, if they decided to make a Toy Story 4, they better, this better be worth it, right? This better be like a reason the story compelling enough to bring this franchise back. And um, so that's that, but uh, we were open. And um, I will say that both of us came out of it very satisfied. And actually, I was very surprised. Um, The marketing for this movie did not do it justice at all. Uh, it's more uh, it's much more funny it, i mean it's much funnier than it's advertised to be well i mean the oh. the marketing was just so weird because the marketing was like and here we are toy story 4 featuring you know the <laughs> appropriately named forky right like <laughs> like i was like okay where are they going to go with this and even into this movie when it begins the first 15 20 minutes i'm kind of like wow are they really going to try to stretch this out to an hour and a half um, but over the course of the story, damn it, these Pixar guys get me again. I'm like, damn it, you guys are, it's so solid. And I think both of you are right. I mean, I felt this way too. This feels like in much the same way, like these, there was these epic Star Wars movies and then they had like mm-hmm. stories. <laughs> like this, this is, is toy. This is a toy story. Yeah. This is like a toy story. This is yes. Woody's story. Right? Yes. It's, um, if you'd have called this Woody's story, I'd, I'd have appreciated it more actually. You know, yeah, gone, um, because it really is, I mean, he's front and center. There's not a lot of the, like the normal characters that we get to see him in. There's no buzz. I mean, there's very little buzz in this film. I mean, there's, yeah. The, yeah. 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 There's a little buzz. It's the return of Annie Potts, which is nice. Um, and I, say I did not realize she was gone. <laughs> And then, uh, <laughs> then you've got. Um, wow! You know, so got I didn't know this. I'm sorry. In the third film, I didn't. Uh, know this. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! Um, and then we've got some new characters that I think you know do what what again what Pixar does best, and I think like they they like they oh did gosh. it again. They created these characters that I think are like oh well this you know they they could have their own show really well they also yeah. created a new narrative they created this you know toys don't need people storyline yeah really- there's a little there's a lot more of that yeah. and then they also kind of added to the mythos of like when does something become a some toy? sentient yeah yeah yeah, yeah that they was- really did they got it they got into some metaphysics there with that one now that, that <laughs> yeah. was, it was it was they, pretty high brow they went into that and then they also went into kind of the island of misfit toys and what happens to those that kids don't want yeah, but I think yeah, bottom yeah, line is, don't 
we've got it being Woody's story where he goes from being devoted to be, you know, having a child to now helping toys find children. Or, or uh, not even being a part of a child's life at all. Cause Bo Peep didn't care to go back to being owned. Yeah. Well, it, almost, I mean, she, it had this weird, it almost had this weird kind of like narrative to it, like a, a slave narrative in, in a sense of, being owned by a toy, does that matter? Or does it matter just, you know, to be, to exist all on your own? The whole, that whole well, concept. I do want to um, shoot it around and just get um, people's um, opinions of what they uh, absolutely liked or loved about this movie. And, and Julie, we'll start with you. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was something about this movie that you absolutely loved? Um, I always loved Bo Peep. Uh, not gonna lie, and I was one who noticed that she was gone. So unlike unlike some other folks on here, um, so I really that beginning when it actually showed what had happened to her was so sad, and you know the decision where Woody could have left then, because you know as she said, it's like toys get lost every day. And he had made that decision to stay with Andy at that point in time. And it kind of helped make that full circle for the entire film. Um, so, you know, there might've been tears near the beginning. There might've been tears near the end. And um, <laughs> she was just a very strong character through and through. And that was, I really enjoyed that. Will, what was something that you liked or loved about the movie? Key and Peele still the show. The, the whole, you know, imagining, you know, uh, who, who's, <laughs> how you're going to torture someone, kill someone, you know, the laser beam eyes, all of it. Just, I, that had me, I mean, laughing hard. And it's been a long time since I've laughed like that at a Toy Story film. That was funny. <laughs> they were a good a, breath a of French air. A little bit of a different flavor for the Toy Story films too, right? Yes. And it needed it. I mean, the whole attacking, you know, every plan was, you know, attacking humans, destroying, you know, it just was awesome. And I, I thought they stole the movie. I really did. Mike, what about you? There was a lot of different things I liked about this. This movie, you know, had, was on so many different levels. It, you know, was about Woody protecting everyone. It was about Woody pretty much realizing that he'd, his time with Andy was done. He never fit in with, you know, basically didn't ever fit in with Bonnie at all. And basically was going through and, you know, realizing he, his time was over already. He was a closet, a closet toy. He was already thrown out. He was almost forgotten. He would have been the next round of gotten rid of toys. Can, Can I ask a question though? Didn't we go through that with him though in Toy Story 2? When he almost goes off with a collector to be with, you know. No, he was oh. put into the garage sale by accident. I know, but I'm saying, but he he goes through that almost that that thought though of going off with Annie and going off through that. I mean, he has that. There's they they, t- they touched on it. I'm not yeah. saying it was the full. No, story. in Toy Story yes. two, he almost he was tempted to go to the museum yeah. with right. his yeah. other compatriots because right. because he it wasn't because he felt unloved by Andy. It was because that he thought this was kind of like a family he never had since they were part of this bigger thing. So I'm just I saying, thought, I felt like they touched on it. I mean, I, yeah. I, don't kill me. No, it's not. Okay. No, but, <laughs> but even in this one, Bonnie made, you know, basically made Jesse the yeah, sheriff. Yeah. And, you know, so, and he, she just left him in the closet and he hmm. had to realize it. And, you know, 
he had to, you know, meet these other toys and go through what he did that, you know, basically Forky was more important than any of the other toys. Well, I just felt that this was just a retread of the, the, the Buzz storyline, though. I mean, you know, it's the same thing happened to him when Buzz came along the first time. Yes and no. He was still important, but he wasn't. He Andy didn't put him in the closet. He just left him with the other toys. He was wasn't. Squeaker, remember? Kept <laughs> the dust. Well, and if you want to, you know, if you're looking for that, yes, he does go through a lot of these crises um, in those movies, but he always comes back to right, the, right. the kid. In this one, he decides to move on. This is the first time where Woody actually makes the decision himself to move on. I think it's the first time we were presented with the fact that you can. That was the, you know, the whole meta thing about it was that toys have free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I think um, the third one um, with um, with uh, the bear character, I think that was, that was, we saw a little bit of that. Because he was definitely his own, like. Well, it was all about survival with him, though. I mean, about putting you out in the, with the, the general population toys. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Toys. Well, and I think the other thing, too, with Woody is that, you know, Andy was probably the best he would ever have. Andy loved that toy up and through to college, which is impressive in and of itself. So, you know, it's I think that was the other thing is that, you know, at this point, he had probably his favorite human. So maybe he can move on after that. Well, it was interesting, though, because Judy actually brought up to me, it's like, you know, within the next five years, all of those toys will be probably spread out. They won't oh, be, sure. and everything will be in the same situation. Yeah, there's not a younger sibling they're at, you know, aiming at. There's, you know, there's nothing else going, there's nothing coming along other than they're going to have to face, like you said. And that's why I think, that's why I love this whole bigger concept. The one thing I did actually like about the movie was this, do, do toys have to be there just to entertain or can they go on and have their own adventure? And you really see that with Bo Peep, where she's like, I don't want to go back to being someone's toy. I want to be my own person. The, uh, the actually, I, I was thinking outside of the movie too and thinking ahead. And I was thinking, man, the ultimate tragedy is that, you know, the Forky spends his most of, like his first few days as a sentient being wanting to go in the trash and then what he convinces him that he's a toy and he decides to you know he's, he's there for bonnie for i don't know we'll say a couple years and then he's gonna be dumped in the trash yeah i mean he's like, eventually gets thrown away yeah there's there's no like collectability factor or let's keep <laughs> right him. right there's no, sell him at a yard sale or anything like that best it, bet for him is he's got that mother that puts all of their child's creation into the giant box yes yeah, exactly to, you know to embarrass them with when they're like 30 yeah he, um, opens the chester drawer and it's like this is what my son made in third grade <laughs> he's exactly. great, uh, that's his best hope i mean <laughs> <laughs> poor guy um uh, but I will also say, um, you know, uh, I think, uh, talking about, uh, stealing the movie, I think I have to give it to Duke Kaboom. Um, <laughs> oh my yes. gosh. Yes. Um, yes. I, Whoa. you know, I, I, I kind of saw like, um, about, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I'd seen a little trailer or something and it was like Duke Kaboom, who, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but this is not Duke Kaboom's, uh, debut. Nope. He was Incredibles too. He's in Incredibles yeah. too. Yep. Uh he's in um uh what's his name's toy box, right? Yep. Yep. So but this is the first time he actually interacts and, and talks and everything. So um but 
when I saw a, a trailer with him and I was thinking, ooh, this is the guy that they're, you know, obviously putting a lot of like, this is going to be the next like buzz, right? Um, and that's a lot of pressure. And it's, you know, voiced by Keanu Reeves, who right now, perfect timing is like one of the hottest actors around. Again. Wow. What, what a comeback for him. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and that's not a done deal. Like when they did the voices, yeah. how did they know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but yet from the moment he's introduced to almost every scene that he's in and the last, very last shot of the movie with the Pixar logo, damn it, Duke Kaboom, like, like he steals this movie. Like, going so far as to resolving the, like, the combat Carl who doesn't get a high five arc. Oh, combat Carl! <laughs> like, like, that happens at the very end, and I was thinking, oh, thank you, Duke Kaboom, because that was bugging the crap out of me. How about, how about not addressing certain characters' deaths? I mean, you know, Mr. Potato Head's still there. Yeah, well, and, well of course. Yeah, and Don, but you know, they just not have him have any lines. It's just, it's no, best. he had lines. They I just know. used it from his other, other movies. Well, fortunately, this was a story where you didn't like both everybody there was pretty much background. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Even like, Wallace Sean, John Ratzenberg, like all of them were just basically doing backup stuff. Yep. Um, they, this they, a whole they, other, it was a whole different film. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, um, whereas the last one was definitely an epic that involved everybody, mm-hmm. this is, yeah, Woody's the star and everybody else is kind of in the background. So, you know, I mean, it, it's cool that they, you know, tributed Don and, and, and did what they did for him. And, and yeah, they, it turns out they didn't really need him that much. No. Well, no. They were, they, yeah. Just to make some background noises. Exactly. And, you know, you know, basically Buzz and Jesse were minor, minor characters. Minor yes, characters. Very minor. Well, I yeah. think, honestly, Key, Key and Pill were bigger characters you know, than they were. Oh, very much so. And, and so was Duke Kaboom, you know, I mean, the rest of them. And it's just, it's like this whole new Toy Story. Well, and I, th- I think that kind of lends itself to the fact that, you know, since Woody's going to be going off, uh, you know, and no longer with Bonnie, I think it was introducing us to those individuals that he's going to be hanging out with. Yeah. I think um, we get future stories with, yeah, yeah, either he's involved or not, but we, the, the new toy stories, the Duke Kaboom, your key and pill, you're, you know, they're, they're you know, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, yeah, we could get a toy story of the next generation, the next, uh, really we could. Yeah. Um, and I would, you know, look, I'm on board for a Duke Kaboom. <laughs> like, Go for it. Like, I want more key. I want key and pill crossovers with, uh, <laughs> with the Incredibles where they're the bad guys. So, <laughs> Add in some giggle McDimples and I'm there. Like, there you go. Giggle. Like giggle, giggle was was well, another character that I was like, damn it, how do they keep doing this? Like, like they just keep creating these characters that I'm just like, these are awesome. Also, you- I was really excited that they went like true real Polly Pocket size instead of like yes. the newer one. I was like, oh no, this is the actual Polly Pocket. Like not this new fangled one that's like three inches tall. No, the little tiny one. It was awesome. Yes. I did also like Gabby Gabby, though. Well, that's the thing about Gabby Gabby. And that's a good point, Mike, because Gabby Gabby is like for like a good arc, right? A good like um, part of the movie. She's the villain. And she makes a really good villain. And her turn or the fact that she like doesn't end up that way is really well handled. Yeah. They, I thought for, I thought they were going to hand fist it up a little bit and make her the bear again. I thought they were going for that, you know, right. And they didn't. Uh, and that was, that was, that was good. 
that was good. Exactly. I mean, I mean, just the fact that she was hanging out with those creepy, like, oh, uh, oh my god, they were toys. Oh, yeah. they, were, they were awesome. They were so awesome. Oh, they were. <laughs> It felt amazing. it felt like something like out of the Rat Pack or something like that, you know. With you know the thugs, the thugs, and she was in the basically you know being pushed around in the baby carriage and everything. As I sit here and remind myself of the Goosebumps show when they had the virtual, yes. thought that was the bad guy, and that's what I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> and it was terrifying. No, it was it was awesome. I loved the scene when the you know the sheep attacked the one dummy and they were holding onto its back <laughs> the whole time, not letting go. Billy Goat's graph. They Billy I I enjoyed that. Like I I was like, oh, the sheep actually have, you know, a mind of their yeah. own and it's great. <laughs> the Ghidorah, the, the Ghidra of the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I I, I have to give the movie a lot of credit too, because look, after the the third one, I didn't think that anything, any sequence that they could come up with would be as harrowing as oh my gosh, oh. when they're on their way to the inferno. And and to be fair, there's nothing in this movie that comes that close. It, that's okay. Can we? That this is more of a popcorn movie than the other. The the last one was such a powerful film. But I did think when they were they were trying to rescue Forky and the sheep <laughs> falls and breaks something, which we don't really see yet, and then Giggles gets eaten by the cat, I was like, holy crap, this is like going really dark really fast. Um, fortunately, within like a few minutes, it, it quickly resolves. But man, I was worried that it was getting really dark. It's going Toy Story 3 on you again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this movie, as, as much as it is for kids and everything, even like in that, it's the first one, right? That has those creepy yes. like, first toys yeah. that are like put together. And there's some really creepy elements and, and intense elements to this movie. Well, you have, the, you have the whole exorcist moment in the first one too, where, you know, that turns his head around and goes boo, you know, scares the hell out of the kid. And, right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, they're, they're darker films. I mean, there are, there are elements. And while we sit here and think that toy story three was, you know, more moving and, you know, it was the, it was a little bit darker. There was the whole inferno piece. And then there was Andy giving up his toys. But actually, if you think about it, Woody's giving up all of his friends. Yep. And yeah. that's real hard. And that would be some, like, to actually think about it, because there's very little likelihood that he'll ever see them again. Because it's not like they can just call each other on the phone. So it's actually <laughs> something, if you th- sit there and think about it, imagine your closest friends that you've known for your entire life and never being able to speak to them again. That's a tough, tough thing. Yeah, the odds of them seeing each other again, at least until Toy Story 5, are very <laughs> low. <laughs> Toy Story 5. From infinity and beyond. The hunt for Woody. Yeah. Um, you know. Finding wood. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. We really did not need that. Oh, yeah. shush. Uh. You, you just gave the idea to the uh, adult industry. There you yes, go. I know. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but I thought, I mean, look, I mean, as far as the emotions goes, uh, Julie, I was right there with you. There were there were two scenes that, uh, yeah, at least two scenes that I, I was like, oh, man, it's getting really dusty in here. <laughs> and I'm like, and damn it, they did it again. I'm like, these, um, these, this company knows how to tell stories. They know how to move people. They know how to, like, the, the music. Look, I am not a Randy Newman fan. I am not. But he knows how to play. He knows how to do this. But he damn it, they, they just use that music. And I'm like... <laughs> 
Oh, it touches my he's, soul. How is that possible? He's very good at the Toy Story films. The music. Yeah, I was waiting for a sec- I was waiting for a McLaughlin to break back out. <laughs> the music of Toy Story, all four have been on point. Whether or not he's done things that you like otherwise, he's good at that. He nails it. Yeah, he nails it. I mean, I, my favorite one still is I brought it up with you know Sarah McLaughlin in, in Toy Story Two. You know, <gasps> somebody loves that is one of the most touching songs in a soundtrack. Period. And I, I honestly, I was waiting for that moment in four between Woody and Buzz to have that kind of like that. We're just going off and being who we are. And I, I don't know. I was waiting for a, a song to kind of take that on and just didn't, but it was still good. I mean, when, uh, well, there's kind of that moment um, because I think the most touching moment between them obviously is at the end. And I'll tell you what, when, when, you know, Woody's crossing that thing and he's like, Oh, this is really hard. And, and Buzz says to him, she's going to be okay. And you realize he's not talking about uh, uh, Bo Peep. He's talking about Bonnie. Yeah. And, and boy, when that sunk in to the audience that I was with, and I was in a pretty packed crowd on a Sunday morning, the women behind us, like, just started bawling. Like, they were <laughs> like, <gasps> like, they knew for what the magnitude of this moment meant, and they just lost it. Um, and that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's true, and there was some really great scenes, and I'm glad they didn't have a big emotional scene with Bonnie and Buzz. They didn't need to. They didn't have that kind of relationship at mm-hmm. all. No, yeah, no, they, no. It was just yeah. I mean, I don't even know if we see Bonnie at. Do we see Bonnie at the end? No, not really. Just driving not off. Really, the, yeah, just driving off, and yeah, you know, yeah. after that really one. Isn't her film either. One of the one of the best police chases I've seen in years. Oh my god, was that not hilarious? That whole we can't stop it. <laughs> it's a rental car. Them taking over the car was one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. I was like, when when Jesse saw the the GPS, I was like, okay, I kind of see where this is going. But then they just. They went all out. All out. Yeah, they floored it. That's what I found interesting is like the breaking of the toy rules, you know, kind of what you get established like from, you know, one, two, and three, other than one where they have to, you know, scare the heck out of the kid. It's interesting how far they played along with that. Yeah. And also that unicorn just really wanted the dad arrested. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Was that Seth Rogen? No, it was, um, oh, what's his name? Oh gosh. He's in the Goldbergs. He's the father in the Goldbergs. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Gotcha. Um, I also have to say, too, that, um, I mean, Pixar does, they make like one or two movies a year. Um, they've only made four Toy Story movies. But it seems to me that as far as uh, textures and renderings oh. and overall animation look to it there's something about the toy story movies that they give it an extra oomph because this it's always always supposed to take it for the next line so it's it yeah sorry go ahead no No, i just it looks gorgeous yeah so i actually just watched a short little clip uh not gonna lie chris evans posted it um about Pixar and what they've done from a, you know, rendering perspective and where they've come since Toy Story 1. One of the big things that they mentioned was if you look at the dog from the first Toy Story movie and then you look at the cat that was in this one, 
it is like leaps, bounds, just like, you know, a complete 360 from where they were then and where they are now. Because well, the cat, when it gets into this one certain pose, looks like a real cat. Well, I was just going to get into the eyes. If you look uh, from Toy Story 1 and see how like Andy's eyes and, and the mother's eyes are all depicted and then you get into 3 and then into 4 and you get into the human characters they don't look dead anymore like they, yes. the dead eye syndrome that used to be that used to plague Pixar films it's no longer there they've they've got it well, it's rendered and they purposely try to limit uh actual humans and right. you know, people in the original and then in the first couple films because they just couldn't do it correctly they're, they got it now. Um, if you watch the first one, they're all in shadow and they only show, Aunt, I think Andy's the only one you see completely. The rest, it's like their shoes or. And the know, kid, the other kid. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's, oh, we can show the parents. We can show all the, you know, they all show the people because they can do that now. And it's just amazing. And, you know, the other films fill in some of the gaps like hair and fur come from monsters inc and uh doing things with water comes from finding nemo uh so it's just very impressive what they've done as a studio i'm still impressed by like water and hair even uh, even in this movie i was i was like looking at stuff but it was it was michelle next to me who all of a sudden was like look at those cobwebs like she was looking at them in the antique store and i was like oh man like that's just like, man, they just like, and we just, you know, like last year, Incredibles. Now, granted, that's a different style, but still very, very well animated and, you know, inside out, et cetera, et cetera. They do a great job with every single one they do, they, they do, but, and they always are moving forward, but it just seems like with the Toy Story movies, they like, well, they, they put a little bit of extra grease in there. They pick all the pieces that were the best out of those other films and put it all into one film. Because <laughs> all the other movies. Got another like, down too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> we've also, we're talking what, like you said, 30 years of, of these films. Hmm. And um, that's crazy. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it, it's close to 30, how, how, how these, how the animation has evolved, but yet they've kept the same characters. They've kept this detail. Buzz, if you look at Buzz from, two, from the first Toy Story to now, it's almost night and day just in the rendering and how well his face develops everything. Yeah. There are, there are TV animated series that look better than the original toy story. Do. Right. Um, but, um, Ooh, I mean, just the look of it, the sound of it. I mean, they, 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 they pull out all the stops for these movies and they, even though, you know, <laughs> like, look, I know that the, the term cash grab has been made for this one. Um, but it, it doesn't feel that way. I mean, it really looks like they put like everything into this as far as characters, story, look of it, animation, music. I, I just like, I was, I, I think it was, a, I think it was another winner. What do you think the numbers are down though? Like they, they were expecting it to be 150 million and said it's 113. That's not off by a lot. I mean, it's yeah. still, it still did better than million? of any Toy Story movie ever. Yeah. So it's still going. Did it do better than three? Did it do better than three? Yes, yes. it did. Okay. Um, it and so I, you know, I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it might. I, well, I mean, we just talked about this with Alex a little while ago um, about the box office this year, which has been crazy yeah. weird. So I, I, I don't know. Not Marvel films are not doing well. well <laughs> that's, I think. That's, I think part ahead. of it is just that since we, you know, this this revolution in streaming and what Netflix has done, what Hulu's doing and all these other shows, I actually think there's 
fewer people wanting to go to the movies. And I don't know that other than, you know, these big ones like Marvel and a few others, when you're hitting, you know, a couple billion, um, I just don't think that the box office is going to be, be as big of a draw anymore. In well, also we stretched the summer release season. I mean, you know, we, we, we started what late, late March, early April this year. Yeah. For what I they mean, did. For, I mean, yeah. They didn't leave a lot on the table. Exactly. Uh, so when, when, when you do that, when you stretch out the box office season, you end up pulling these films. I mean, Godzilla's celebrating the fact that they made a hundred million domestic this week. I mean, yeah. if, if they'd have actually planned this better out, these films aren't, they're coming out too close together. It was a very busy June. If you look at the movies that just come out in and June. They're, and they're competing against these, themselves. Yes, I mean, yeah. he's already got Aladdin. Aladdin out. Game. Dumbo's been out this year. I mean, and, and, and a Lion King comes out in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, and, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and Disney's going to have this problem now that they have Fox. On all these properties. It, yeah. yeah, they're just going to be competing against it themselves. And I, I, I don't know what they're doing with that. I think the future, we're already kind of there, but the future is... We're all just going to get mainly our entertainment from streaming until a Disney movie comes out once a month, and then we're all going to go to the theater. <laughs> and a Warner Brothers film. It's going to be Disney and Warner Brothers. No Warner think? Brothers. No, I don't see any Warner Brothers in the top five here. Give it. A, get, get, wait till the new Harry Potter books come out. Wait. Oh. 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 Do not get right. me started. Let's move on. Uh, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think Warner Brothers because you have Batman films. You have the other. The other. You know. Just uh, just to be clear, to clarify, the three-day total, opening total for Toy Story 3 uh, domestically was 110. Uh, so close. Uh, yeah. And then the three-day total for Toy Story was 120. So almost 121, because if you round that up. Uh, but yeah, so it did better. Um, and and look, I think there's still room for it to... It's got legs. A little it's bit. Legs. I, don't, I don't think it'll drop that much uh this this weekend i mean we'll see but i'm certainly like crazy uh people check it out and for and i think to answer your question as far as why it was kind of soft i like i said i I don't think the marketing really depicted this well because i think i think a lot of people looked at the the whole forky thing and was like what are they doing why yeah why are you advertising me this character yeah um and and i also want to be clear on this too when I saw originally the stuff, uh, the footage with Forky, and the when the when this like the first fifteen minutes of it, I was really concerned because I thought, you know, are they really kind of dipping into like you know special needs kids or or like um, like that kind of thing because it just seems like that's a fine line with what they were where they were going with that. Well, that exactly. they're, 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 they're I actually was back on Gabby as well. But, you know, you know, the, the being in the carriage and being pushed around. Yes, no. That I'm was, not saying. I'm saying. I'm not saying. No, that was yeah. more trying to make it feel like the mafia. I know. Yeah. I agree with I you. Think. I, I, I don't think. I'm saying they're getting blowback on stuff like that already. No, I think you know, there's not going to be a really good kids movie until Lion King yeah. is out. Yeah, that's why. And I'm so thinking. I think. I think that's why it's going to gain legs I and agree. word of mouth yeah. and everything. Did you guys notice the uh, nice little cameos by comedy legends in this one? Oh, that one thing I love about Pixar is they, they really respect uh, the folks that came before. So in this movie, like obviously with Don Rickles, Estelle Harris and, you know, Wallace yeah. Shawn, they've had a, a history with that. But in this movie, they uh, went all out in this they one. Did. Because you got Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, Betty White, um, Carol Burnett, 
um, Timothy Dalton, who's not in that group, but still, I was really surprised <laughs> to see his name on the credit. But he was also in the earlier movies too. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I was like, Mr. Pickle, I was like, Mr. Pricklepants. Who is Mr. Pricklepants? I'm like Timothy Dalton. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. He's the, oh yeah, he's the hedgehog. I was like, what is his name? Yeah. Yes, this is my scene. It, how did I do? You know, he was all dramatic and everything. Yeah. Well, you know, pick up a ticket. Um, but uh, I think I think all the other voices were on on point. I don't think that uh they yep. they did there's no sense of like oh that was miscast or i didn't really buy that voice i think no yeah. no and I, and for me i think the weakest point because we haven't really talked about what we thought the weakest points were was probably buzz yes it he was pro- and, and his inner voice yeah the inner they took that a little bit too far and that's all that they gave him except at the very end when he was like you know she'll be okay i i wish they had given him and Woody a little bit more, you know, one-on-one time, especially since it looks like they, you know, they're, they've split up. So it would have been nice. I find it odd that these are, this is a Tim Allen. I agree with you completely that this is a Tim Allen and, you know, Tom Hanks, these were their films together. This was not, this was Tom Hanks. This was Tom Hanks, baby. This is like you said, it's Woody's story. And Buzz was such a back character. He, he's back there with Rex and the rest of the crew. He, he really wasn't involved. Yeah, I mean he he is. I mean he's more involved with than a lot of them because he gets yeah. out of the RV and he and he does have adventures with them. But you're right, and I did felt like this was almost um, because you know the, the the first one when he's introduced he's so funny because he just doesn't he can't accept that he's a toy and he's kind of dim, right? So, but I thought that he had kind of been growing as a character. This seemed like it was a couple steps back. He went a lot back from the last film. Yeah. Because, you know, the whole believing in the inner voice thing over and over again, it really felt reminiscent of more of the first movie than than any of the others. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with that. I mean, the the ending with him is perfect, but I wish they could have figured out a better way to leave. Exactly. They dumbed him down big time. Yeah. Anything else that you felt was a big problem? Will, I know that uh, you weren't as in love with it as the rest of us. I I just think it was too up and down. I, I like I said, um, I think Keen Pill still the show for me, and I, I love that it was lighter in parts. But I just didn't think the emotional grasp was there for me. I, it didn't it didn't hit me as well. My you know here's here's my judge on a kids film. I have two children. I took my kids to see it. That we both got, and they didn't, they're not talking about it later like they have some of the other Pixar movies. Okay, I, my daughter can quote Inside Out. <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> her, her thing. I mean you know, and I love that. And I love the movie too. But she just didn't. She's not. It's not her thing. She's ready to watch the next Transylvania movie, yeah. whatever. Just any of these, any of these yeah. other cartoons that are coming out. This one me, didn't stick in her in mind. Let me ask you this, um, and that's a concern. I was thinking of. I, it doesn't register with me because you know I don't have kids. But um, um, I, I found like sometimes Pixar doesn't realize that some of their stories are, even though their movies can be are kid friendly, that some of their stories are deal with more adult issues. Mm-hmm. Like I think that yeah. was a big thing with uh, cars and well, cars two, cars two, cars, cars two. two. And, and even cars, but um, like people love the cars, but in the whole story and everything, I think lost some people. Cause there was some, there were times when it was like kind of dull. Like, I mean, not, I mean, there wasn't a lot of action. Let's put it that way. Well, it, I mean, and I noticed that in this movie, the kids started to kind of act up when Woody and Forky were doing their little road trip thing, yeah. uh, where they're walking along the road and, and Woody was talking and everything about his, his flashbacks. And the kids were kind of like, yeah, this is not what we want to see. 
Um, no, yeah, agreed. yeah, I think I, I agree with that. There's, um, if I look at it again, for me, it was, it was different from being the Andy story. It was a Woody story and it was very much, I felt a lot for Woody because again, like the thought of leaving friends that you can never speak to again is really, is really tough. And so I really related to that in a way. Um, and so I could see kids not quite grasping that. All right. You're the perfect age of this film. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the leaving college, you know, mm-hmm. people you've been at are leaving high school. You're never leave, You're never going to see some of these people again. It's a good graduation story. And these kids aren't facing that. I mean, they, they, they get the whole kindergarten first day of kindergarten, being scared, not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. Bonnie. I don't think they use Bonnie well enough to keep kids. Yeah. Interested. Yeah. Yeah. Bonnie was almost like a throwaway in this one. Yes, yes. Yeah. And Mike, is there any other points you wanted to make about the things that didn't work? Yeah, like everybody said, I thought Buzz was the weak point in this. I I was with you when I first started seeing the whole Forky thing. I was just like, and this didn't go direct to video. Why? And I enjoyed a lot of it, but I was also ready to say, Okay, let's, you know, once it got into the meat of the story, I wasn't sure what they were going to be doing with Gabby Gabby. I wasn't, you know, sure where they were going to go for there. And I was so thrilled when I saw they didn't make her into a true, you know, awful villain. I thought she was the best villain out of all the Toy Story villains, you know, villains. Really even better than the Baron 3? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, completely. <laughs> I, I guess if you like a Marvel villain, I, I guess this is me more of a DC kind of guy. I like the fact that sometimes your bad guys are just bad. <laughs> I, 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 I'm serious. I'm serious. That uh, the Baron, the fact that there is no redemption for that bear actually is pretty good for me. No, it, the best kind of villain is the villain who doesn't see themselves as the bad guy, and well, the that's what I. As the bad guy. Oh, I do. I think you know he was ready to destroy all those other you know toys. And but, you know, but Bond but, villains do the same thing, and they don't consider themselves the bad guy. They actually sometimes see, see themselves as the savior. I think most of them know that they're doing bad things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, uh, all right. So let's, uh, I guess, wrap this up by uh, giving a vote or, or giving our uh, score of uh, one to five uh, toys, I guess, in the box. Uh, <laughs> we'll start with you, Julie. All right. Um, I will give it four out of five. Um, for me, it hit most of the marks. Uh, there was, you know, some, you know, funny, funny bits. There were, you know, the, it was very circular. It started with what happened to Bo Peep. Um, and then, uh, kind of wrapped up with the same thing with Woody and, uh, again, Gabby, Gabby wasn't a true villain, wasn't the worst villain and things like that. Um, but with uh, Buzz being a little bit weak and them taking a little bit of time to get to the, the meat of the story, four out of five. Okay. Will? I'm going to go three out of five. Um, I think it's a, a good film. People should go see it, take their kids, that kind of thing. They'll, they'll enjoy it. I think the, the weak points in the narrative really get to me, especially, like you said, with Forky and, and then the whole me- getting into the meta concept of toys. I just wanted them to pick a story. It, it, took, it took for a long time for for me to see them pick a story where they wanted to go. All right, Mike. 
I'm going to give this one a good solid four. I enjoyed it. It was a great popcorn movie. I enjoyed, you know, rabbit and duck. I thought they were awesome. And, you know, laser beams coming out of their eyes was was fantastic. And those two are so psychotic. It's incredible. (laughs) But I love the scene when they were stuck to the wall still and they were kicking Buzz in the head. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was was just awesome it was just awesome and but you know as i said this is a good you know even for for canada for canada, for canada. well i'm giving duke Kaboom a five <laughs> uh, oh he gets a five yeah uh, he, he, Duck get a five. <laughs> that uh that was awesome uh especially from a kid like myself who had a had a evil Knievel, uh, yeah growing up so the fact that he's canadian too is just canadian can it's, yeah. it's just so perfect um the rest of the movie you know i, I i'm sort of yeah it's definitely a, four, a solid four for me um i think there's things in it that elevate it maybe to a four and a half but i i'm not quite confident enough to give it that um um because i i do think like uh, you all have said, really, I do think that it's it's worthy of uh, folks seeing it. For whatever reason, people were turned away. I don't know. Maybe so many people got burnt out by Indiana Jones four. They were like, "I'm never seeing a movie with a four attached to it ever again." Um, if you think about it, there aren't too many movies with a four attached, the number four attached to it, that are are worth checking out. Well, so, also the fact that the three seem to wrap up the storyline so well. Exactly, and people and were just like, "Ah, eh. like, yeah, this is." And so, yeah, this maybe maybe if they had marketed different by saying like it's something like Woody's story or something like that, I don't know. But in any case, I think that uh, I think a lot of uh, folks should see it. Uh, if you like the Toy Story movies, don't don't worry. They're they're still they're still really really excellent. And I think there's they still show that Pixar is on top of their game and probably uh, better, some of the best storytellers that are working in Hollywood today. Yeah. So um, so that's. That's our uh, review of Toy Story 4. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, We will be right back with the ESO Network Con. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead. Hello, America. You like listening to knowledgeable people who are passionate about what they do? Wilbur does, don't you, Wilbur? Well, what about Daisy? She likes to listen to shows about pop culture, movies, television, and comic books. Good thing Wilbur and Daisy found the Nerd Bliss Podcast. You, too, can find the Nerd Bliss Podcast at nerdblisspodcast.com and on the ESO Network. Just remember, Nerd Bliss is one word. You got trouble. I got him too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together, see it through, cause you've got a friend in me. For the week of June 27th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report. Well, June is almost over, and get ready for July, because we've got three events where you can find ESO Network folks at, starting with the first weekend of July, which is July 4th through the 7th. It is Convergence in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, the uh, 
among the many guests at Convergence this year will be the mayor of Chickentown herself and Kevin from the Flopcast will be attending. Not only will they be attending, but they'll actually be participating in panels. Uh, I think they've got uh, four panels each. And to find out more information about uh, where they'll be and what panels they're doing, I strongly suggest you listen to this week's episode of uh the Flopcast, episode 372. Uh, Kevin and Cornflake go over a um, in detail, the Convergence preview of, of what they'll be doing and what they'll be up to in a couple weeks. So in order, to, if you're thinking about going to Convergence or you're kind of on the fence, check out uh, the newest episode of Flopcast to find out what they'll be doing. And I'm sure you're going to book your plane now. Um, and then there's going to be some events in Atlanta. In fact, there's going to be two comic-related events in Atlanta that you can find Mike and myself at. Starting uh, July 12th, I'm sorry, July 12th through the 14th is uh, the Atlanta Comic Con. That is at the Georgia World Congress Center. It is a three-day event. It is a massive event as far as comics goes, as celebrities, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Mike and I were there last year, had a great time, did some panels. They asked us back this year. And guess what? We're doing some more panels. Uh, We're as a matter of fact, we are back. In fact, Saturday is Big ESO Panel Day. Um, we will be doing uh, two panels, or is it just two? Just two as of right now. Okay, just two as of right now. And we can reveal what those are? Yes, sir. We sure can. We have going on in the morning. Uh, we have, this is going to be exciting. We have going on. You ready? So you want to start a podcast. That's going to be at 11 a.m. And then at 1.30 p.m., we have the MCU. What now? So it should be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking all about, you know, a lot of the Disney streaming, you know, some of the new TV shows they have going on there. Black Widow has started production. And they're talking about a couple other things that are going on. We'll be talking all about the rumors and, you know, Spider-Man will be out by that point. So we'll probably talk a little bit about that even. Yeah, because we're all eager to know about the next phase of uh, the MCU. So we'll be talking about that. And yes, not to diminish. I mean, the first uh, panel that we're doing in the morning about podcasting, if you've ever thought about putting together a podcast, what it takes, uh, come to this panel despite what you've heard before, what some people have told you, what other people may have told you, it can, it cannot do come to this panel. We will, we will lay it out for you exactly how easy it is and that everybody should do it. Exactly. And you know, it's all you need is basically, as we like to say, all you need is the phone right in front of you to start podcasting. Pretty darn amazing. So, so come on Saturday to see our panels and to enjoy all kinds of Comic-Con goodness on July. That will be on July 13th, where we'll be there. And then the two weeks later than that, July 28th, and that's a Sunday, uh, there's an event called the Atlantic Comic Convention. And that is a one-day show that's done quarterly. Uh, Mike and I can frequently be seen there. As a matter of fact, I think we go every time. It's very rarely that we miss it. Um, Mike usually hits the morning, and I usually hit the afternoon. Uh, sometimes we, we do we, that purposely, though. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes we actually, actually, accidentally run into each other. It's kind of awkward. Um, so, uh, in order to avoid that, if you want to um, come say hi to us or say howdy, if you're going to be there, let us know so we can uh, hang out with you and avoid each other. Exactly. Uh, 
<laughs> so, Different sizes of the same hotel. Absolutely. So those are the three events coming up in July where you can find ESO folks at. Um, if you've got an event that you want us to help promote, please reach out to us because we love talking about convention. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Air Station One podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you to Alex Autry and, of course, Adam Garcia for talking all about Gar- Galaxy's Edge at the beginning of this episode. And now, of course, let's thank our great guests for being here tonight. Julie, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. It was a lot of fun. It was great to do it with you. And you actually have something to promote now on the podcast. I- I do have something to promote. It has been a long time because I just realized the last time I was on, I didn't get a chance to promote it. That was back in Jan- before January. Um, so I am one of the members of the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast. Um, and so what we're doing is we have four people, uh, three Americans and one Brit, or if you want to break it down, it's three men and one woman, uh, who are going through and watching all of Doctor Who starting from the very beginning. Um, so you can find us on all of your podcasting apps. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as watchers in 4d. Um, so you should be able to find us. Yes. Fun show folks. And I actually subscribe and you know, it's a fun podcast. They're going episode by episode of doctor who. So it's pretty cool. Yay. And of course my co-host for my other podcast, Will. Thank you. Um, like I said, coast of Rift Tracks here on ESO and also the geeky side with Tyra Burton. Check us out week to week. We always have a little bit of fun. Uh, if you don't come in, just come and catch us laughing at ourselves for, for about an hour or so. Exactly. You know, sometimes I listen and go, God, these guys are goofy. I got to go relax. <laughs> That's the perfect reason why we do it. Exactly. I kind of figured. It's awesome, though, that you got to join us tonight and we appreciate it so, so much. Always. Always love being on the ESO. Mike. Thank you, sir. We've made it through another one. We have. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Oh, I got to give a shout out to Disney, for which none of this would be possible. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) Now, if only they would support us. If only they supported us. Like, yeah, they can buy us, you know? So if you want to buy our station when it's for sale, uh, it could be a Disney venture. Um, If they buy us, Mike, does that make Darren a Disney princess, though? does it does absolutely it does uh it makes us all disney princess awesome so, um uh <laughs> no i mean between last week talking about um carl barks this week talking about uh, galaxy one or galaxy's edge and uh and, and toy story four yeah disney 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 but my real uh sincere shout out uh goes to guys who really don't have as much near as much money as Disney. As a matter of fact, they they're not even close. Oh, and us? Need, Are you talking about us again? I am. No, not not. Uh, they need some help. Um, some folks. We're trying to get them on the show. I was going to try to have them on this week, but it didn't. The schedules didn't work out, and I really want to help uh, them support this project. They've got a book, a uh, graphic novel book, uh, on Kickstarter right now called Jason. That's J A C, as in cat I N, and the Argonauts. It is a action-packed uh, space. If you like Space Odyssey, if you like Mechas, if you like um, Transformers, if you like butt-kicking Space Wars, this is 
the book for you. It is, uh, and if you like a little bit of Greek mythology mixed up in all that too, it's written and p- produced by two friends of the station, dear friends of the station, writer Shane Berryhill, who we've had on before, and artist Alex Ogle, who does some great, great uh, uh, work, especially, uh, man, his, his use of blacks, and Shadow is just incredible. So I definitely encourage, they've got a few weeks left on their Kickstarter. They're about halfway to their goal, so it definitely is possible. I want to help these uh, these guys make it. I want to read this book. So uh, check out, we'll have a link to it on our show notes, but if you just want to go to Kickstarter, put in Jason, that's J-A-C-I-N, and the Argonauts, and pull it up and, and support them. That is awesome. That is awesome. It's always good when you can have a project when definitely help support them and we're we love doing that up here on the network and especially on earth station one you know if you ever have a project you're working on please come contact mike or myself and we would have you up on the show and you know maybe put you in the geek seat but better than that will help you promote your project which is pretty cool so absolutely because we all can't be bought by disney exactly someday maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe someday, but you know, God willing, as some people say. But you know, you never know. Uh, my shout out, real quick. Uh, Judy and I went to a concert on Thursday night up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we got to see somebody we've actually really wanted to see for years. And ever so- since we saw him on America's Got Talent, of all things, we actually got to see Puddle's Pity Party. <laughs> awesome! And it was amazing not one word was spoken but puddles was amazing he sang his heart out uh you know brought up people from the audience got everybody involved he started the show off by going through the whole crowd of the concert and shaking everybody's hand it was awesome and you know if you ever get a chance to see puddles uh puddles travels around the country he's based out of here in atlanta and he is just tons of fun and very well worth going to see. Judy and I both enjoyed ourselves and we both have posted videos and, you know, pictures of us with him. And actually I think my made my profile picture is him posing with Judy and I after the show. It's a ton of fun. So it was cool. And speaking of cool, we are going to be back next week and we are going to be looking at the end of the world. What do you mean by that? We are going to be looking at good omens. That's right, folks. Mm. We are going to be talking all about the TV show that just aired on Netflix, which is going to cancel it. I hear. <laughs> Wait, all. That. that was so funny. Yeah, we'll cancel Stranger Things. Yeah, Amazon Prime is going to cancel Stranger Things. I know, I know. Before they even show the third season, I know it's so so horrible of Amazon to do that. It was. This is such onion come to life. Oh God, it really is. I, I, I thought it was in the. I onion. thought it was the onion. I really I did. Oh, I was but, hoping it was the onion because this is really. So stupid. we're going to talk about Good Omens before it's canceled fully. So <laughs> please join us next week. Until then, my name is Mike Faber. We will see you next time here on the Earth Station One Podcast. Peace. And we're done. Boom. Yay. A lot of fun, guys. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. 
Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.